Getting split Getting ready. Split Getting ready. split ready. Getting split ready. For my wife, God rest her soul. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. She's not dead. <laughs> We're just divorced. Unscripted and honest discussions on divorce and separation. Getting split ready. What was I supposed to tell him? I divorced you from the show? Here's your hosts, Doug Katz and Mariah Pleasant. So if we have the real estate market hot as hot can be, what's the lending market like, Doug? You know, great, great segue, because I, I, I think that they go hand in hand and it is, you know, exceptionally good. Um, rates are low. They're not at the lowest point they've been, but people who try and time the market are crazy. And in a lot of what Julius was saying, it's it's there's a lot of, of, of good timing right now in doing something. Um, on the divorce side, I tell people if they're refinancing, I don't know what they would be waiting for because values should never be higher than they are now and rates would never be lower. So fundamentally, you might get a better loan to value than you typically would. You may be able to drop mortgage insurance. Like it is an exceptional time and people, you know, I heard the term benevolent procrastination the other day and I loved it. Um, but procrastination isn't always benevolent. So it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting time. Uh, I, I think that when I hear people talk about they're going to stay low, I do believe that, but not as low as they've been at, at its lowest point. So one of the hot questions that I keep getting is for those people who did take advantage of the uh, forbearance. Yeah. I think a lot of people assume that once they take advantage of that, they're unable to refinance for quite some time. What are the, I know probably every lender has their own rules, yeah, but what well, are the general parameters of that? Well, it's interesting. It varies. And I actually wrote an article for our blog about it. But the challenge is forbearance has always existed. And I think people think it's something new. But, you know, if, if someone had been in a divorce before and they were in a situation where now there's two households and the income situation is a little bit questionable, pro, contrary to what people think, the, the banks and the lenders and servicers don't want your house. So if you call them up and say, I have a hardship, and can document that hardship, then typically they'll grant forbearance under certain circumstances for you to get on your feet again. What happened with COVID was the the basis for doing it was obvious and it impacted everybody. So um, in an attempt to avert disaster, and I think it was probably the right thing to do, they just granted blanket forbearance. And the system was never meant to deal with 40 to 50% or whatever the crazy number is of the mortgages out there to be in forbearance and not paying. Is it really and, that high? Uh, I believe it was between 40 and 50 is what I had that's read. Crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, but I think it was for some people, they took it strategically because unlike most life milestones where you're like, oh crap, I'm in a divorce, let's say, well, you weren't planning necessarily for the divorce with COVID, I think people were looking and saying, my job isn't impacted now, but it may be impacted in six months or eight months or whatever. So I'm going to take forbearance and bank that money in case I later need to make a payment. And that wasn't necessarily wrong because it was an opportunity given. Now, with respect to refinancing, different lenders have interpreted the guidance differently. What you typically see out there is a requirement for either six to uh, three to six months of documented post forbearance payments. 
Now, some servicers have basically said, hey, we'll just tack it on the back. Don't change. They didn't change anything at all. Ultimately, the note, you know, your mortgage note, uh, what you agreed to pay doesn't change. And in that, oh, oh, that was the time I said, sorry about that. I guess my coffee's done. Um, with, uh, there's no change. So the minute they get off forbearance and it starts to be, um, starts to be um, documented that they're paying, it would be from there. Other lenders are looking at it and saying, hey, if I'm tacking it on the end, it's a modification. And there's very specific things for modification. On government loans, it's three months right now. And I think most for most lenders on uh, conventional loans, it's six months, but you might not know when the six months starts. And the thing is, a lot of this was done in the background. So I've, I've spoken to divorcing couples where I'm speaking to one, one client and we're working through it. And then I pull credit and I go, hey, your property was in forbearance. I can't refinance you for a certain amount of time. Uh, if you're selling, there's no big issues at all. And generally, you're not going to be evaluated on the loan that was in forbearance if it was paid off the same way you would if you were refinancing that same loan. So it's hugely complex. I think if you talk to five different lenders, they're going to give you different answers. And um, um, the best thing to do is plan ahead. So if people are mediating or going through mediation, as an example, plan ahead, get a lender in, let them look at your loan so that they know when you can get through all this kind of stuff. Um, one of the big questions that we kind of get in mediation goes along with that, kind of the chicken and the egg. A lot of people want to get the refinancing done prior to finalizing the divorce, but there's a lot of reasons why they have to finalize the divorce before the refinance can happen. Can you talk to that a little bit? It's really situational again. Um, I think the, the introduction of collaborative divorce and mediation have really changed it because the filing gets pushed way, way back in the process. So you're almost filing and, and um, submitting a marriage settlement agreement simultaneously. It's pretty damn close. Where the old the old model was file and you know go through the negotiations and then then you're at the end of the process. The lending industry is everything's based on the old model, so it really really makes it difficult. And every situation is different. So again, it's something of bringing in a realtor like Julius. I know he works with divorcing clients. Uh, a lender like me to to understand that situation your your whole situation. If you have a house, you should be talking to both. You should be figuring out, you know, what you need to do and when. Um, and sometimes three different underwriters are going to look at it a different way. You know, there's one I'm working on right now where generally I'm not able to get something done before people file. But let's say you've been living apart for 18 months, but you're not in a in a um, in a legal separation. You can sometimes still make that case. So, but to try and do it yourself is crazy. I, I know our our site, Split Ready, is a lot about do-it-yourself stuff. And I think it's like anything else. you got to figure out what you can do yourself and what you really need to bring people in for who do not have a vested interest in one side or the other to give you that best advice. I know there are things that you can do to, on paper, kind of speed it up, right? So if we have a good idea of what child support is going to look like early on in the mediation process, and we know it's another month or two, maybe three of mediation before we're going to finalize it, can someone start paying child support? Does that matter if they oh, see no, that? Absolutely. Like there's, what you typically see is a six-month requirement of documented payments based on a court-ordered payment, 
which can be a temporary agreement. So yeah, I think with planning, you can shave a lot of time off the post-divorce. If you have to wait till it's completely filed uh, and, and through the court and, and at least submitted to the court, which is usually what you have to see. Um, yeah. I mean, if you've got four months of documented payments and then two months post submission of the marriage settlement agreement, that meets the six month requirement. It doesn't have to be the same amount. You're trying to show the willingness, the capability and the ability to pay. So, um, yeah, I think planning heads, uh, you know, always a good thing. And, and, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about like just refinancing. And, and the other thing I want to touch on before we move on to talking about taxes is, um, if you're going to buy a property right now, especially getting that pre-approval done, and I'm going to ask Julius about this in a minute, is really essential. And right now, if you want to have somebody have looked at your looked at your situation, looked at your documentation, really have done everything. Um, and you know, I do with a lot of my clients. There's a report that I offer that they can get that really breaks down their entire housing situation to include if they're going to buy a home. And um, you've really got to look at that option as well and get everything set up for that in case you want to go in that direction. Because when you want to act on it, you want to make sure that you're not selling one house, trying to buy another house, and you really haven't thought about it. And you think you're going to get approved. And, and Julius, you know, I want to ask you with, with the lending side, how is that impacting the, the bid process? Well, uh, great question. Really, it's such a competitive market on most of my purchases now. Um, not only does the pre-approval have to be done, uh, but I've also tried to, to ask for more proof that the due diligence has been done on the pre-approval, right? So, you know, just stating that you've looked at their, their income statements, you've, you've looked at their taxes, if need be, you've looked at their credit, um, you know, you just want to give that buyer every chance at being successful in a multiple bid situation. And, um, you know, if you're buying a single family house in the Chicagoland area, you almost have to assume that it's going to be a multiple bid situation. Um, otherwise, you will probably fail. And so, you know, really making sure that the pre-approval is really tight and that the loan officer, uh, like yourself, you know, I've had this happen where you, you've called up and, and, and put in a good word for somebody. Um, you know, you just have to be willing to do everything you can to prove that the buyer is really strong. And the pre-approval is the really the first step. No, absolutely. And 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 thanks for adding that that input because I think, you know, people are even at the point of writing letters again mm -hmm. and doing that kind of stuff. So um, I, I think it's it's definitely a, a, an interesting market. What about mediocre buyers, right? So let's say someone didn't pay some bills throughout the process of divorce or there was some late payment. Like what about the people who don't have the 800 credit score and the perfect, like what about those mediocre buyers? Are they just- You're asking me? Both of you, are they just well, SOL or what's going on? I'm glad you brought that up because from a lending perspective, I see a couple of things. I usually see people's credit scores are lower than they thought they were going to be. And that comes from two real reasons. Either um, they're using their what's provided free from their bank or some of these other credit sources where they're looking going, oh, my score is this. There's many different models in the credit, credit scoring marketplace. And generally, those models are different than the lenders use. We use a tri-merged FICO model. And, and that is, is, you know, it's, it's speaking another language, but it generally means it's, it's a more 
it's, it's a more stringent model. So I could sometimes see a 30 or 40% or 30, 40 point difference in that. The other reason is one person's the money person and the other person wasn't and things that have happened that they didn't know about. I can't tell you how many times I look and say, well, you got late payments and they're like, on what? And they look and they didn't realize that. So they may find out they're a mediocre buyer and the rates that are out there, when people say, hey, I saw this rate advertised, that's the best credit score with 20% or more down. And, you know, it's the optimal situation. It is a steep drop off from 700 to 680. And I can get deals done all day at 640, but there is a, an, there's a, an added cost to getting that loan. And I, and I do think it's, that's why it's really important to talk to um, me before you go and talk to Julius, because um, your purchasing power could be radically different between two different situations. Um, you know, the score you think you have and the score that you really have. And it's a unique market right now. Um, I've, you know, I got in this business in the early 2000s when things were crazy and that went for a long time. And I'm seeing the same entitlement that people feel entitled to be loaned money and are taken aback if they don't get money at that best rate or money at all when they apply for a loan, when they, they don't stop and think, hey, this institution is lending you 250, $150,000, $500,000, huge amount of money. And they want to surely know that you can pay it back. Um, you know, there's a couple clients I had very interesting conversations with where they're like, well, I've always done this, this, and this, and why can't you just give me money without blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, because that's just not how it works. So it's a, it is an interesting time, but, but, but it was a great point that you brought up. Are you seeing something similar, Julius, when you've got multiple offers? Are, are sellers looking at the strength of the credit scores as well? Um, you know, what I've found is that sellers are looking at, um, is there a realtor that they recognize, you know, you know, the, the, the listing agent, do they know the buyer's agent? Um, that's one thing that they'll look at. They'll also look at the pre-approval and say, well, is this a firm that I'm familiar with? Uh, sometimes they'll do that. Uh, but really the detail of the pre-approval, they are, you know, they're, they're, they're taking the time to read through it okay. a little bit more. Um, you know, they're looking at the details and they're making sure that they don't have to sell the house twice. So as a buyer in a challenging market, if you're a mediocre buyer, it just might be a little bit more challenging. It could be. Uh, but a lot of times the pre-approvals don't show what their credit score, you know, it doesn't show the credit score. So yeah, we actually don't even show rates on ours. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely more for, you know, I, I think that realtors and lenders will, I'm not going to say talking code, but they can let people, you know, they, 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 you have an idea of what kind of buyer you're, you're, you're working with, um, with where they're at on, on the, the pre-approval and things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny, I think. Um, at least that's what I've seen when I'm talking to seller's agents and they're calling me, you know, they're, they're, they're asking without asking. And it's just a really interesting market. There are a couple of other things that you can do to make yourself stand out as well. I mean, even if you're, um, your credit score isn't the best. If you have more down payment to make, uh, you can, you know, use that. You can actually raise your earnest money to a really ridiculous number. Okay. So that you have strength. 
uh, there's ways to get around it. And, and it's really good to get with a realtor and have uh, a loan officer and a realtor that work to work well together and just have a very candid conversation about your situation. And uh, there's ways to get around it. There's ways to make you successful as a buyer in this market. I would not have thought of raising the earnest money. So I guess that's why we need you guys. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I've seen that too. And I think all that means a lot of times the earnest money is close to what the down payment is. So that seller really knows like, what are they, what, you know, are they, do they want it that much? And right. um, yeah, it's, uh, I think unprecedented has become a trivial trite term when you're talking about this market, but it is crazy. And I, and I think people, you know, to, to kind of end the segment, I think people, assume this will not change at their peril. I think what Julius was talking about, I work uh, with a lot of investors. I think that they're, they've seen this all before. And once, once forbearance ends, um, for real, right? Cause it keeps, they keep kicking the can down the road. Um, I think you're gonna see stuff begin to hit the market. I think people have done the mental calculus to say, if they're in that situation where they're gonna lose their home, what, what, you know, how long can I last? Well, I can last out forbearance. Then the foreclosure yep. process takes a certain amount of time. And that could be two to three years by the time you get done. Um, but I think people are also starting to think, geez, if I sold right now, instead of waiting, I could make, you know, I think people think in percentage, right? They'll say, oh, 5%, a 5 or 10% drop on my home, not a big deal. Well, it's 50000 on a $500,000 house. So, so if you can nail it at the peak, why not do it and not trash your credit? Something like that. Great show today. And my dogs are going berserk. So I've got to end it because uh, <laughs> otherwise it would be um, the, the fun of podcasting from home. I really want to thank our guest, uh, Julius Dickens. Um, fantastic realtor. Great input. Uh, Dreamtown Realty is where you're at. But if they want to get hold of you, how can our listeners get hold of you? Sure. Um, my cell phone is a great way to get a hold of me. 312-451-8894. And uh, you can reach out to me via email at jdickens, J-D-I-C-K-E-N-S at dreamtown.com. Thanks for having me today. No, thank you so much. And I, and I, I see a repeated guest appearances coming because uh, I think you give, you give great advice. So, you know, what I would say is if you like what we do, not you, Julius. I know you like what we do, but if our listeners like subscribe, share our information, um, share this podcast, check out splitready.com. Uh, there's great resources to, to get split ready and know that if you're separating or getting divorced, that they're what the, what the right way to go is, or at least what the right considerations are. So it's been a while. I don't even remember. Um, you need to know what you don't know. So if you are someone that, you know, is thinking about getting split ready, um, or go to our website and we really do believe that it is possible to move through your divorce with your finances your integrity and hopefully your sense of humor intact and we want you to have access to the information that'll help you get there fantastic so thanks everyone for listening and we will see you in may <laughs>